This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Hey, good morning to you. It is a Saturday morning here on the Big Talker, 1480 AM, 1025 FM, KQAM. Good Saturday morning. It is Kansas Talk. I'm Andy Hoosier. Thanks for joining us today, and good morning. Getting you up and moving for the day. It's going to be a good show. It's going to be a good day. It's going to be hot. I was driving down, uh, driving into the studio already this morning, and I had to roll down the windows and just crank it because it was a little warm out there. It's going to be another hot one. I heard it was going to be near 100 today, so I guess we had that little stint of really hot temperatures about a month ago, and now it's back after a little bit cooler stint and a little bit. The problem is now it's humid. Now it's muggy outside at the same time, so we'll do what we can. Hey, welcome into the show. Great to have you along today here on the Big Talker KQAM, all presented by Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue, buying, selling, and trading with honesty and integrity for all your gold and silver needs. About the only guy in the entire Mid-America region that actually has silver on hand right now because of how difficult it actually is to get it as of late because of the high demand. It's Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. They're opening up in about 20 minutes from now. They will be open at 2.30, until 2.30 this afternoon. So go and check them out. Also online at philscoins.com. A little bit different show for you today. We don't have the jam-packed amount of guests like we usually do. Uh, a couple guests, unfortunately, were not able to make it this morning, but that's okay because it's crazy. There's been a lot of weird news going on in Kansas lately, so we have a plenty of time to talk about it. At the bottom of the hour, State Representative Nick Hoheisel, he'll be joining us. We haven't talked to him in a while since the legislative session was underway earlier this year, in like January, February, when we chatted with him. So we'll look forward to chatting uh, and talk to him about the latest after the session, what we're doing this year moving forward. It sounds like we have some things we need to seriously address here in the state of Kansas because there's some uh, there's new movements now with the COVID pandemic where the state of Kansas really wants to take things to another level again. And now with the judge coming back and saying that the law that the state legislature made, saying that if you, as the public, challenge a mask mandate at a school, that they have to hear the hearings, they have to take it to court, they have to make a decision within like 10 days of it being filed, and therefore, because we have a right to challenge if there's a mask mandate or if there's some type of COVID guidelines in place that we don't like or we think are unnecessary, we can challenge them and we have a certain amount of time in order to address the issue. That is now apparently gone because a judge in Kansas has challenged that while the state legislature is trying to hold on to their control and not allow Governor Kelly to do another lockdown, which is now apparently in the works of being considered from Governor Laura Kelly. So we'll get into that. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on COVID today because we have a lot lately. But I do want to talk about the uh, potential that we could go into another lockdown. Are you prepared for that? And is it necessary right now? They're saying that COVID cases are going back up. They're saying hospitalizations are going back up. They're Okay, they're going up, but are they at the peak levels of when we really needed to lock things down before? Or is it just because, well, there's a new variant and it's more contagious, which we've talked about many times before. It may be more contagious, but that doesn't mean that it's actually more dangerous. Because it's not. So, we'll talk about that maybe a little bit later as well. We have an election audit potentially going on. Is there are people signing up for uh, signing a petition to try and do an audit in the elections from the 2020 general elections here in the state of Kansas? Why? We'll talk about that a little bit. Plus, the, the judge, again, also ruling and, and hearing a case about Secretary of State Scott Schwab on removing a report from the uh, Secretary of State's office that comes out about provisional ballots being cast 
in the general election. And the ones that are denied, there was a report apparently from the Secretary of State's office before that would show why these provisional, certain provisional ballots were rejected. And now that's not there. And Secretary of State Scott Schwab has removed that one. And the judge is looking at it saying if he violated open record laws here in the state by removing that. But apparently, according to Scott Schwab, then it was because they're already public on public file. So you can already access them. So remove them from that specific report. So kind of interesting there. We'll get into that. And do you trust the voting system here in the state of Kansas? I want to talk about some of that today as well. So we got a lot of stuff to get to. Real quick, though, I do want to focus first and right off the bat with this uh, EMS issue going on in Sedgwick County. We talked to Sedgwick County Commissioner Jim Howell about it for an hour last week. So if you aren't familiar with the issue, go back and listen to the podcast on that one. Uh, you can find the live stream of it. Um, uh, no, I'm sorry. Two, yeah, it was last week. You can find the live stream on the KQAM page on Facebook. You can also find the podcast on the Voice of Reasons podcast uh, on the website at HoosierReason.com. You can listen to that one. Really interesting information with Sedgwick County Commissioner Jim Howell talking about that for an hour about what's going on with the EMS issue. Here's my frustration with it, and I, I don't understand. And this is the typical, I guess, politician thing. Not him, but what the county commission is doing as a whole right now and what the county manager Tom Stoltz is doing right now, typical politician thing, typical political garbage of what they're trying to push now is we suspend the head of the EMS, uh, the EMS director, Dr. Mike Gallagher. We suspend him, put him on paid administrative leave. Now he announces that he is cutting ties. We're set to pay him like $80,000 for him to walk away. He's walking away and now we're looking for a new EMS director. Okay, that's great. He's kind of the fall guy. Was he handling things appropriately? Doesn't sound like it. I don't think he was. We need somebody else in that knows what they're doing. At the same time, we sat down with Jim Howell last week for an hour to talk about the structural differences of the EMS department as a whole and how they merged with other departments within the Sedgwick County government and why we did that. Because we wanted one person to kind of oversee all of this. We were trying to consolidate all this stuff. Before we did all of these structural changes... We are one of the best EMS departments in the country, according to Jim Howell. One of the best in the country. Then we did this merger, and it's not its own isolated, own individual department doing its own thing, making its own mandates, making its own rules, making its own policies. It lost all of that, went to merge with somebody else, and now it's starting to fall apart. So typical, like the government normally does, normally we see this at a federal level, normally when something like this happens, we don't look at the structural operations of it we look at the fall guy and the fall guy right now which i think needed to be a fall guy because apparently he's not doing the best in the position is dr mike gallagher the ems director went on and paid administrative leave now he's leaving getting a eighty thousand dollar settlement to walk away and we're looking for a new ems director that's kind of the band-aid to rip off and place a new band-aid on that's great but we're still dealing with these structural challenges and no one seems to be paying attention to that. So we have some deeper issues we need to work on. Here's the other typical political response. Again, this isn't stuff you usually see, I guess, at a local city and county level because usually we want to address the issue and make things work a little more mainstream. And right now we're seeing kind of the typical talking points from a politician trying to avoid the elephant in the room by just trying to create a fall guy and say that we're here to help you. And we're here. You know what they're doing now? They're creating a resident advisory board to address the issues with the EMS department about uh, later call times and the uh, delays that it takes to actually get to certain individuals if they actually make a 911 call saying they need an EMS. 
that's been a serious issue. The labor shortage because people are leaving in mass. We've had like 120, 100 and some odd people leaving the EMS department because they don't want to deal with some of the structural things they got to deal with. At the same time, apparently a lot of them had a lot of complaints to make, but they didn't because they were concerned about being let go. So we can tell that there was some type of weird iron grip control that was going on from the EMS department as well. So we have a lot of things we need to work on in our own EMS department within Sedgwick County. I normally don't talk about this stuff, but the uh, the mirroring of what the shenanigans they do in Washington, D.C. are reflecting very vividly right now, at least to me, in my eyes, what's going on in our own Sedgwick County government. And it's sad because they now, instead of addressing the issue and realizing we have a structural fundamental problem with our department that used to be awesome, and then we changed it and it all went away, now, instead of addressing that saying, maybe we should look at going back to that, the county manager, Tom Stoltz, says, well, we're just going to create an advisory board, a residential advisory board, so they can give us recommendations on what we need to do to improve the department. Typical. It sounds like Nancy Pelosi. Oh, there's a problem. We're going to create some type of committee, a research committee, some type of committee where they can look at the issue and address it and figure out what's really going on. We already know what's going on. We don't need to spend the time and the money to create an investigative committee, a research committee to look at everything and say, well, I don't know. We need to do some research. We need to spend $100,000 to investigate the problem. And then we'll come back with some solutions. This isn't Washington, D.C., and we can't get away with just creating investigative committees to say, here you go. Look at this. Let's move on. That's not the way that things actually work. So we need to address it. And if there is a structural problem, let's fix the structural problem. I don't know why it's so difficult to just say, you know what, this isn't working. Let's go back to what we had before. Maybe a little bit more expensive because it was its own department instead of merging. But when it comes to quality of my taxpayer money going to you, and if I need your services when I call 911 because that's what my taxpayer taxpayer money does, my sales tax money, my property tax money, whatever money goes to you guys, whatever's being paid for you guys, uh, yeah, when I call 911, I want to make sure that you get here at a reasonable time. And if that means it's a little bit more expensive because it's its own entity, then let's do it, baby. And if it was really good then and it's not really good now, I don't see the problem. So I, I find this fascinating because we've now created this uh, a residential advisory committee to look at issues. And then we've also created a little way for individuals within the department to come and show their complaints and to tell them what's actually wrong. So I'm very frustrated with this. I think it's really stupid. I think we're trying to play the political games here to try to avoid the major elephant in the room, so to speak, and we need to get rid of it. Stop it. Stop it. I never thought I'd say this, but I'm starting to see the in-depth, you know, underlying issues within our Cedric County government, and it's really politicians being polit uh, politicians at the local level, which we're not supposed to have. I got to give credit, though. I really got to give credit to an individual that's on the county commission board, and that is Lacey Cruz. I know, never thought I'd say that. I know. But I think with her time being on the county commission, even though we still don't agree with each other politically in any way, shape, or form for the most part, she's really sided with Cedric County Commissioner Jim Howell on this, wanting to address the issue, wanting to structurally change it back to the way that it used to be, and actually wanting to make something happen here. So I think she's starting to maybe grow up a little bit on the county board and maybe start to realize that even if you disagree with someone politically, you don't have to call them the insider. You don't have to call them names and go after them as the good old boy club that she tried to do to Jim Howell just a year or two ago, that you can actually work with somebody on issues and work together even if you cross political aisles. I know it's a crazy thought. I know.
And if she's willing to do that, then I give her 100% props. Now, again, I don't agree with her on 90% of what her politics are, but if she's willing to work on certain issues at the local level, because you got to remember, local government, city council, county commission, school board, you can't really go on a like ideological platform. Local politics is not about ide- ideological platforms. It's about getting things done for the community. And if this is what it takes for a conservative and a progressive to work together and get something done, do it. And it really shows the outliers of who actually is the quote-unquote good old boys club within our county commission. It really does show who's actually in there for their own personal gain and for the politics of it as opposed for the betterment of the community. And that's the other members of the Cedric County Board right now. And I hate to do it because we've had him on the show, but, you know, uh, Pete Meitzner, what the hell are you doing, dude? Come on, man. Stop playing the politics. Stop being scared. I've noticed that for this entire last year with COVID, you've been really wary and you wait for everybody to make their votes and then you try to be that deciding vote and then you do it with a, and you do it with some hesitancy and then you always fall short and go to the other side because you're scared. You're scared. You're the Sedgwick County Commission chairman right now and you're scared to make a decision because you're scared of your own shadow. Get it together, dude. David Dennis, I've had you on the show many times as well before. Get it together, dude. Stand up. Be stern. You said you wanted to be Mr. Conservative on there, but yet you're just kind of playing the inside political game, and it's starting to be exposed, and people are starting to wake up and realize it. Wake up, man. That's my call for them. They listen to the show, too. I know they do. So uh, kudos to Lacey Cruz on working with Jim Howell on that one. Maybe we can get something done, but stop with the advisory committee boards. Stop with the investigative committees. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't do anything. You're the experts. You are the leaders. You are the Sedgwick County Commission make decisions hear our thoughts have a hearing get some input but make the decisions don't create some obscure committee to make the decisions and then come back to you a month later when we still have a serious issue to address if it worked before go back to it it's as simple as that we want things to run smoothly we want things to run efficiently and we want to know that if we need to call 911 that they're going to be there in a timely manner because it's not happening right now and whatever you did to change that needs to go away kind of like obamacare it wasn't the best system but if it's better than what we have now go back to the way it was before then we can try to improve it again but you don't keep spinning the wheel trying to recreate the wheel when the wheel's broken and trying to do the same thing over and over again that's my little pitch and that's what I'm sticking to it 3167218255 316721talk we got a lot to get to today i want open lines to you on what you're thinking the extension of unemployment benefits the uh, new grocery store here in the Wichita area as well we have the county commission board with the EMS crisis going on we have election audits we have election potential violating open records acts and we have potential mask mandates going into the school year again for the fall so plenty of stuff to get to and I want to get your thoughts on all of it today as well. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. It's Kansas Talk here on the Big Talker KQAM. Stay here. Twenty-six minutes past the hour. Welcome back into Kansas Talk here on the Big Talker KQAM. Thanks for joining us today on a Saturday morning. Lots to get to, and I want to hear from you as well at three one six seven two one eight two five five. By the way, I do want to give just a moment and give a shout out in our condolences to State Representative Ron Howard. As you know, passed away just a few days ago, earlier this week. He's been battling some illnesses for actually a few years, and he was in the state legislature for the last few years as well. 
Yeah, we've had him on the show before uh, from the South Wichita Hayesville area, I want to say. And uh, great guy. He he was a great fighter. I know that this last year has been tough on him in the legislature. He was not up there for a large part of the legislative year because of his illnesses. Uh, but he did go up. I, I get this. Even with battling these illnesses and not doing well, went up during the veto override session because they needed that vote to make it happen to override some of those Governor Kelly vetoes and actually get things sealed here in the state of Kansas. And he showed up for that. So he showed up when it mattered, when it actually counted. So our thoughts and prayers out to the family. And God bless you, my friend, with State Representative Ron Howard. And all the best to you. But uh, passed away earlier this week due to some of the, I don't know what illnesses they were. Didn't give any details. But I know he's been battling some for a while. So uh, thoughts and prayers to the Howard family. And all, thank you for all the stuff that you did for the state of Kansas and what you've done. So we appreciate that very much. 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. we got a few minutes left here. State Representative Nick, uh, Nick Hoheisel, he'll be joining us after the bottom of the hour in just a couple minutes here. We'll do a little bit of a legislative recap and where we're at now in the state of Kansas after the session, going into the summertime, because... I don't know if you heard big news from Cake News. Yesterday, Governor Laura Kelly made the official announcement that we will not be ending the extended federal unemployment benefits for COVID-19. That extra three, $400 a month, yeah, it's staying in Kansas until it expires federally, which is September 6th. But let's be honest. Do you really think they're going to end it? Let's be honest. Do you really think we're going to end it? We extended it from like April or May, and we extended it through September. And the exact quote that the Democrats had, was that we'll end it, quote, when the economy recovers, when the economy gets better, when the economy sees some improvement, when we start seeing things get back to normal. Again, it's one of those kind of uh, very vague approvals and agreements. Oh, you want to get together? Oh, it's like the ex. Oh, you want to get together again? Oh, you know what? We'll, we'll, we'll be friends. We'll hang out when things calm down a little bit, when things slow down. Yeah, we'll totally go out and hang out. That guy or that gal that you're trying to avoid that's really trying to come on to you and hit on you, it, totally, you know what, I, I, I've been known to do that on occasion when I had, you know, was younger, uh, not necessarily dating because I never had a whole lot of dates, so, uh, I mean, I guess there's that, but, you know, with other people, I'm just like, you know, that'll be great when things slow down, when things calm down, and I don't tend to do it that way, but it turns out that way sometimes just because of how busy I always get. But when you do that intentionally, that's exactly what they're doing. Oh, when things calm down a little bit, when the economy recovers, when when we get our money back, when things start rolling again, when businesses open up, when people are getting back to work, then when things just calm down a bit and we wake up a little bit, then we'll end those benefits. But yet, now it's turned into a labor shortage. It's turned into a wage war. It's turned into a control from the from the government for the economy again. It's turned into massive inflation. It's turned into issues all across the board. We're going to go into the fall budget at the federal level, and they're going to say, sorry, but the economy's not quite where we need it to be yet. We need to extend those, which means Governor Kelly is going to continue to extend those while we continue to see a labor shortage. I know. It's going to be a pain in the you-know-what. So we'll talk about that and more when we come back with State Representative Nick Heisel right here on Kansas Talk. On the Big Talker KQAM. Lots to get to today. Stay here.
Now back to Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Welcome back into the program. 35 minutes past the hour here on the Big Talker KQAM, all presented by Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. Buying, selling, and trading with honesty and integrity for all your gold and silver needs. One of the few guys in the entire, again, it's not just the city, not just the state, the entire Mid-America region. About one of the only guys that actually has silver on hand inventory ready to go for you when you walk into the store because he's awesome and he plans for that and he's officially open right now at 9 30 this morning until 2 30 this afternoon go and check them out also online at philscoins.com whether it's just trying to get that special piece of gold or silver that you are looking for that certain coin whether it's your emergency fund whether it's your retirement whether it's your uh preparing for the end of the world whatever you want to do I'm all about the preparing for the end of the world. I think that's kind of fun uh, and have a stockpile of silver ready to go thereafter. So, uh, yeah, Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue, and go check it out for all your buying silver and gold needs. Let's shift over to our guest for the half hour. Excited to chat with it. It's been a while since we've had him in studio and talked. Oh, yeah. uh, it's. I think we talked to you like January, February during the session. Yeah, it might have been early January. Yeah, Nick Hoheisel, state representative. How are you, brother? I'm doing well, buddy. It's good to be back on. Yeah, it's good. To, it's good to talk to you. I know you guys were... It was a busy year for you guys. Yeah. It yeah, was really busy. It definitely busy. was. I mean, we basically condensed two years of sessions into one 90-day session. Yeah. Um, we had a lot to take on with, with the COVID and, and with opening back up the economy and wrestling the uh, the emergency powers back from the governor and yeah. turning it back to the people. Uh, it was a busy session, but it was one of the most successful sessions I think we've ever had. It was really good. We had a lot more conservatives up there, even within the Republican ranks. We had more yeah. conservatives to actually give us a better supermajority on a lot of issues. I still didn't quite get everything we needed to, but overall, I mean, the numbers, uh, did by the end of the session, Governor Kelly start working with you guys a little bit better? Or was she still pretty bitter that you guys are ramming oh, stuff she, through? Oh, she was bitter. And I, I think what you saw is even some of our more moderate members of the Republican Party that we have in the legislature realized how far left the governor and the democrats have gone mm. and and they went even too far left for those folks and so they jumped on and we were able to override the governor vetoed you know i want to say 17 uh pieces of legislation that we passed which is like the most in like 30 yeah, years or yeah something. i mean in in recent memory it's the most but that also sets up of she vetoed the most and that gave us the opportunity to override the most vetoes yeah. in, in a session or in a term that that we have in recent memory as well. And we were able to override some good pieces on election reform, on the Second Amendment, on taxes, um, things that are going to impact everyday Kansas. Yeah, I found it hilarious because her administration was saying that she's not a veto governor and that she she doesn't like to veto and she doesn't do it, but then she ends up vetoing more bills than, like, any governor in the past 30 years. So yeah. I, I found that hilarious. Yeah, and, you know, we we always stand ready and willing to work with the governor if she wants to work with us. Yeah. But it was clear by all those vetoes that she did not want to work with us, and we had the votes to override the vetoes, and we went in and did it. Let's talk about COVID for a second. Right now we have a judge that challenged the decision you guys made, saying that if you, if you question a school board, you need to have a hearing, you need to have a decision with, like, 10 to 20 days, uh, sort of thing with some of the mask mandates that was challenged and now we're talking about with the delta variant coming up we're now talking about potentially re trying to re-implement some more mandates the governor wants to shut things down a little bit more again we see school districts up in the kansas city area implementing mask mandates going into the fall school semester what potentially could be the future of the state of kansas with mask mandates with covid and with the power that you guys were able to take control of during emergency situations yeah, so we passed SB40, which was a reform of our, our emergency management laws. 
Um, and this gave more power to localities um, to dictate mask mandates and their response to COVID. And this is because the needs of Cedric County may be different than the needs of Seward County. Mm. Um, you know, we're just, we're different in Cedric County than Western Kansas. And so um, it, it, it it's disturbing that a, a judge, and we hear about activist judges on, you know, when we had <laughs> the whole Supreme Court issue and uh, Trump's nominations and we heard about uh, activist judges. Well, this was an activist judge that struck down a law that duly passed the legislature. Um, we, we, we stand ready if the governor attempts any kind of shutdown um, to respond as a legislator. I don't think we need another shutdown. I still haven't seen data and evidence that the last shutdown that we did uh, did anything slow down anything. Yeah. All it did was slow down economic growth. Um, and right now we're trying to get people back to work, trying to rebuild the economy. The last thing we need to do now is shut it back down again. Yeah, that's going to be the issue. Now, of course, they're saying that Delta variants up, that we're seeing an increase in hospitalizations, increase in cases, which we're seeing an increase, but it's nowhere near what we were at the peak of no. all this before, is it? No, no. I think Cedric County reported uh, last few days that we're at maybe 6% positive uh, test rate. It's nowhere near where it was when we had to shut stuff. So down. the fear is a little uh, premeditated here. It, I yeah. mean, do you think? Yeah, yeah. I think I think the governor is is angling um, to try to get those powers back. She wants to be known as the governor that I guess saved Kansans. <laughs> um, but it, it's unfortunate because, like I said, we're trying to get the economy back. We're trying to get people back to work. We're trying to get kids back to school. Um, we we see the data that kids losing out on last year in in school. It harmed their education. Um, we cannot allow that again this year. We have to remain open. People have to, and I'm not saying people just go about their business willingly. I think people have to remain vigilant. Um, Delta, the Delta variant is is serious, um, but also the harm that would cause Kansas if we shut down the economy again would yeah. out. I mean, just it would, would be, be devastating. Out. Yeah, uh, kind of a two part question here. But do we have protections in place from businesses? Um, to protect it. if the governor tried to do something like that again, which I think we do because of the power that you guys have to where you have to approve that, to force businesses to do again a social distancing thing, a mask mandate, a, a limit on capacity, that sort of thing. But then the second part is, do we have a protection from uh, for workers from businesses as well to some degree? Because now we're hearing that the pressure may not be a mandate, but maybe from a business that either you get the vaccine or you have to wear a mask at work. And so therefore we need to, you need to prove yeah. to us that you got the vaccine. And if not, then we're going to start letting you go. I mean, we're starting to see this already. Yeah. Football coaches being yeah. fired from teams because they're not getting the vaccine. So, so yeah, we have, you know, we, we made it to where if the governor does attempt any restrictions on businesses, that executive order has to be reviewed by house and Senate leadership or it's uh, the state legislative coordinating council and they can rescind that executive order. Uh, as far as question two, that is a conversation we did have in the legislature uh, last year. Part of it is, you know, as a conservative, getting government involved in private businesses, telling them one way or the other, dictating you yeah. can and can't do this. It's, it's a tricky thing. If, if we're setting a precedent of we can tell private businesses you can't fire somebody because they didn't get the vaccine right what else can a government tell that private business so it's a conversation i think that needs to be had we may see it have uh again in the next session it, it's just walking that tight tight rope 
It is, I mean, because you're right there. I mean, we don't want to tell business what to do. They can make their own decisions. At the same time, if there's pressure of not necessarily mandates, but potential cutting of grants or cutting of resources yeah. or something to try and blackmail in order for businesses to be scared and then say, well, either you get the vaccine as an employee or we're going to let you go or you have to wear the mask. I mean, there's some there's some back-ended control going on there, there that is. needs to be addressed. There is, there is. But I think I think also when, again, when we're seeing it with the, the non-discrimination order, here on the on the city level is when government gets involved in private business nothing can ever good can ever yeah. come of that um you know and i i in full disclosure i am fully vaccinated i will urge people if if they want to consult their doctor consult their family and make that decision for themselves yeah i do not think the government should be mandating vaccines i mean that that to me is too big government when we're first forcing folks to get needles in their arms um, but that is a conversation that you should have with your doctor and your family. And that's the conversation I had with my doctor and my family and not my government. Is it a little, little weird? And I know we talked about it. I don't know if we're doing it in the state, though. I know the governor was looking at maybe Ohio's um, uh, example of doing like some type of lottery or giveaways or, yeah. or goodies. And we did a little bit of like, oh, you could win it, you know, win yeah. a, be able to drive a race car yeah. around Kansas Speedway sort of thing. But Yeah, that was I, that was odd that that plan from the governor of <laughs> all the plans out there. That one struck me as odd. No, I think, you know, I, I again, I think it's just. People need to have that conversation with their doctor and their family. That's a private decision that they need to make. Um, and the government urge. I, th- I think there's an inherent mistrust with the government. And I think the government stepping in and urging folks to get vaccinated um, makes them not want to get vaccinated even more. Well, yeah, so, I mean, it definitely has for me. I, the more they the more they force it the more I shy away from it. I haven't gotten vaccinated. Yeah. I'm not going to get vaccinated. I don't think I need to. But even if I was open to it, mm-hmm. the more it's kind of that overbearing parent when they tell you you have to have to yes. have to, then you want to rebel more and be like, no, yeah. watch me because I'm not going yeah. to. And, and and you not being vaccinated is, again, it's a personal choice that you've made in consultation with your doctor, your family, yeah. and and you have every right to make that decision. Um, so I, I think we have to we have to make sure we walk the fine line, though, as far as the government being involved with vaccinations, mandating vaccinations. And again, that's probably a conversation we'll have to have in the next legislature. As sure. Well. Talking with State Representative Nicole Heisel. Let's shift gears a little bit. I found it really interesting that the last week of the veto session, that as you guys started to wrap up, you guys spent a lot of time on the marijuana bill. Yeah. Which was really crazy. I, I And it not a bad thing, but it kind of surprised me with how much time was spent on it with so many other things going on that really those last two, three, four days, you guys really had some long, yeah. in-depth discussion on the marijuana bill. And and what you've seen in those two, three, four days was a combination of actually work that was going on on that bill throughout the entire session. Hmm. Um, I am an advocate for medical marijuana. I voted for this piece of legislation. Um, it is probably the most restrictive medical marijuana legislation um, in, the, in the country, and that's what we were gunning for. Um, we wanted, and, and it's still not a finished product yet. It still has to pass the Senate, and there will be more changes. But we had to make sure that we went through. I mean, being one of the last states is not necessarily a bad thing because we can take pieces of what's working in other states and correct pieces of, of the marijuana legislation that isn't working in other states sure. and fix that to have an overall comprehensive product, and that's what we were going for. Um, it's an issue that resonates throughout my district and it crosses party lines. If you look at the vote, um, in the legislature on that, you see folks from all different kinds of ideologies supporting it and opposing it. 
Yeah. Um, and, and, and it's a huge issue that's going to have impact on Kansas for the rest of time. So we want to make sure we got that right. Yeah, I'm glad you guys are having such an in-depth conversation because I think other states kind of rushed into it, you know, and, and didn't really lock down some details and stuff. And I know it's really restrictive, which some people don't like. But, I mean, it, you guys get one and it's going to trickle out to a little bit more uh, kind of stuff, whether people agree or disagree with that. But you're right. I mean, a lot of people jumped on board with the bill after a lot of discussion, including uh, like Blake, Blake Carpenter, yeah. who was opposed to a lot of the stuff before and then ended up carrying the bill, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Representative Blake Carpenter, he's our House Majority Whip. Um, he did an excellent job with this. Blake actually went around to other states, uh, especially like Oklahoma and places that have legalized medical marijuana and, and talked to folks on the ground to see what's working, what's not. He was a huge, huge proponent of this final product um, because he had a hand in making sure it was restrictive. It was only going to help the people that need it. It wasn't a pathway to full legalization. Um, and it was good to see. And and again, when you have Blake Carpenter, who's one of our more conservative members, jumping on board and we had more moderate members and Democrats on board voting yes on this, you know it's probably a good product. Yeah. Um, and Blake did an excellent job. Representative Carpenter did an excellent job on this. Will we, do you think at some point, get to the recreational side? You know, I'm sure that's a conversation um, that will be had later on. I, I do know that it's going to take are, baby steps. Yes, there are. <laughs> there are. I, I believe, actually, there was a, a group of Democrats that um, introduced legislation this last year to, to just legalize it all. Wow. I, I do know there are some folks on our side that do not think this medical marijuana bill will work and they'd rather us have nothing or just legalization because they don't want to put our law enforcement officers in a tough spot mm. um, with this. So it's a conversation, I, I assure you, that will be had in the future. I, I don't see that in the next few years. Though. Yeah, I don't see it in the next few years, but I do see it happening at some point. I mean, when Nebraska goes that way, when Missouri yeah. goes that way, when Oklahoma, Colorado, obviously the first state to really go and, down that road. I mean, we can't not do it because it's everywhere else and it's going to be yeah. really hard to keep it out. And I, I think you'll see that push led more possibly, especially with the Democrats having a House and a Senate and a presidency right now on the federal level. Um, that's one of the issues. Some of our folks that voted no on this medical marijuana bill did it strictly because of the feds. The fed, You know, this needs to be done on the federal level. They need to, to deschedule it. Um, and then we could do it on the state level. So I, I think you'll see that push led on the federal level before the state of Kansas. Sure. Very cool. Let's take a break here. State Representative Nicole Heisel flying through this. we got a lot more I want to talk about with some of the budgetary issues with the unemployment benefits that Governor Kelly said that we will extend through the end of the program in the middle or uh, beginning of September. So we'll talk about some of that, plus the COVID-19 relief money that's coming into the state. We can talk about kind of where that's going and what's happening with some of that stuff as well. And a lot more. 316-721-8255. It's Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker KQAM. Welcome back into the program. About five minutes to the top of the hour, or about seven minutes to the top of the hour. For us, we got about five minutes left. State Representative Nick Hoheisel hanging out in studio with us here for a bit. Thanks for joining us today on a Saturday morning as we continue on. Kind of wrapping up the, the marriage of Juana discussion. Uh, the, we were talking about a little bit off the air, and, I mean, it's going to be baby steps how this happens. And for years, they've been trying to at least even get you guys to talk about it, and it hasn't happened. So the fact that we even had... Major discussion right before the session was done, and it's kind of the top of the slate for next year as well. Means that it's really close to actually happening here. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm fully confident 
that next year we will have a bill pass both chambers into the governor's desk. And, and she's already said she'll sign it. Um, and I know we were talking about the tax issue, tax issue of, of how we're going to tax this um, is, is another issue that we're discussion that we got to have. You tax it too high. You just feed people back to the black market. It's the issue that's going on in Colorado right now. So having those conversations um, and again, seeing what happens on the federal level as well, if there's a descheduling on the federal level, it's a conversation that's not going away. It's, it's going to be one of the top issues next year and we'll see what comes of it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I know. uh, I remember when you ran for the state seat, uh, there was two major issues that you focused on. One was the uh, medical marijuana and the other one was the sales tax on food. Yep. And uh, those were, I remember your platform because that's that's what you really drove into. Did we even have a discussion about getting rid of the sales tax on food this year? Where are we and can we get that done? We we didn't have it this year um, just due to the uncertainty of, of what our revenue numbers were going to look like with COVID. Um, fortunately, due to the resiliency of, of the work in Kansan, we actually brought in about 700 800 million more than we had projected this last year and we're sitting on a balance ending balance of about 1.9 billion dollars wow um the the biggest i think you know we talk about marijuana is a big issue in the next session i think the biggest uh discussion we'll have next session is how do we turn return this to the kansas taxpayer yeah um you know i've heard from democrats that have grand aspirations of of expanding and growing expanding and growing the government and (laughs) reform programs and and i'm of the belief that this isn't our money yeah you know it's good to have a a healthy ending balance and and a little nest egg that we can put away in case of emergency but we don't need 1.9 billion dollars of extra taxpayer funds we have to figure out how to get this back to to the working Kansas back in their pockets um food sales tax is one that i definitely hope that we visit next year i it, it's something that we need to get done. We currently have one of the highest food sales tax um, percents in the nation. And and this is this impacts everybody. Everybody has to feed their family. We are making it harder for, for working Kansans to feed their family. So we definitely yeah. need to address that next year. And I'm hoping with this, uh, you know, the surplus that we have, that we can work to get that back to the Kansas tax. Budget. That we can actually do that. Yeah, there's a really good idea. And maybe it's a, it's a call up to the legislature in Nebraska, because Nebraska, what they do is, if they have higher than projected revenues, if they have more money coming in than expected, then it's automatically in their law for the budget that they disperse it. Some of it goes to their their safety net and their emergency fund. Other ways they go back to lowering taxes, whether it's a property tax, whether it's a sales yeah. tax, they lower it. So that way things balance out and the money goes back to the people as opposed to growing. Because the, the latest news story we saw was they actually, you know, they, they were concerned because the budget's going to be tight because they had higher than projected revenues come in so therefore the money's going back based on uh, tax decreases which i found was kind of interesting we're at the top of the air can you stick over one more segment with us absolutely cool we'll kick off our number two with you here as well because i want to talk about that on ways that we can maybe find a way to implement that in our laws to just automatically have that money go into a safety net go back to the people cut some taxes and then we can it it just varies based on how much money is actually coming in i think that's a good idea isn't it absolutely absolutely yeah i love that idea we'll do it when we come back our number two when we come back we'll talk with state representative nicole heisel a little bit longer plus i want to shift gears as well as the uh, uh big discussion on elections here in kansas the judge considering that maybe Secretary of State Chris, uh, Chris Kobach, uh, Scott Schwab may have violated open record laws by getting rid of the provisional record directory out of the reports that he has, but he says it's already in open records and they made that decision a year or two ago. Where's that one at? We'll talk about elections. Do you trust the electoral system here in the state of Kansas? Plus, 
schools and mask mandates coming back for the fall school semester. I want to get your thoughts, and is that going to happen? Are you okay with that? And what are you going to do with your kids or grandkids going into the fall school semester as the governor now advocating for the vaccination of every child 12 and up? Sickening. We'll talk about that and more when we come back. Hour number two at Candace Talk here on the Big Talker KQAM. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Hour number two, boy, flies right on by. I don't know how I do it. We do one hour during the week, two hours here on the weekend, and it really just goes by way too fast because we cover a lot of ground. We try to get you a lot of information and do it in a somewhat entertaining way for you to stay engaged with us. So welcome into the show. Hour number two of Kansas Talk here on the Big Talker, 1480 AM, 102.5 FM, KQAM. All presented by Phil's Coins. Buying, selling, trading with honesty and integrity for all your gold and silver needs. They are open right now until 2.30 this afternoon. Uh, also online at philscoins.com. we got a lot to get to this hour, but we do have one more segment here with State Representative Nick Hoheisel. And we are talking off the air about some of the uh, you know medicine and, and the healthcare system and all this. And it's it's why we were going to have a guest today, and she wasn't able to make it. We had to reschedule, and I don't know if you know or not, Megan Lovers, she is an organic nurse that was actually going to talk about uh, dietary changes. There was a study that I read this week that said just based on dietary changes, eating a lot more fruits, vegetables, and nuts, eating more organic, eating more clean, lowers your risk of severe illness with COVID-19 by 40%. Yeah. yeah just I, by dietary changes. Yeah, and I definitely believe that. Um you know, and hopefully my wife's not listening to this because I don't want her to get me to start trying to eat healthy <laughs> and stuff. Um, but but when you see the um, the death rate of, of, of COVID patients, you know, it's primarily old and it's primarily individuals that are pr- perhaps overweight or obese. Sure. So definitely getting your diet right will, will lessen the impact of COVID if you catch it. It's wild. It blew my mind. 40, I mean, that's, I mean, that's. Almost to the level of what they say the vaccination protection is. Yep. I mean, with Pfizer, with Delta, it's like 60% or something. you got a 40% chance of least severe cases of COVID just by dietary changes alone, which which to me just reinforces the idea that we can fight this thing, and it's easy to do if we do the right steps and we take mm-hmm. care of ourselves. It's yeah. a wild concept. Yeah, absolutely, and it, and it goes back to Republican principles of personal responsibility. Personal responsibility. So we're going to have her on the program uh, probably not next week because we're already booked for next week. We're booked out like weeks in advance for this show. It's crazy, but we are going to have her on the program organic nurse megan lovers uh, she'll be done to talk about dietary things talk about the uh, the natural the diets that you can do and ways that we can help uh, create or stop any type of illness including covid as well but for right now state representative nick Heisel, we have more that uh, i want to get to here as well as we talked about kind of the budgetary issues the sales tax on food that uh, as you mentioned i mean right now we wanted to see where the economy was after covid not quite sure what was going to happen and now we have more money coming in and we had talked about the idea of having some type of law, and I don't know if it's a possibility in Kansas or not. Yeah, no. But, I, I mean, yeah, no, I mean, Nebraska does it. If they have more revenue come in, they automatically lower rates of taxes to kind of offset that and give people back money. Yeah, and and I would love to see something like that because, again, this is taxpayer money um, that we're taking, and we we can get it back into the taxpayers' pockets. That should be the number one objective: pay our bills. Have a nice nest egg just in case of an emergency, a rainy day fund, and the rest of that excess money, not using it to grow government, no. but returning it to the taxpayer. 
Yeah. How do we do with the budget this year? I know that we did end up uh, going along with the increase of spending for education, yeah. which still blows my mind. They didn't spend any money last year with things getting locked down with COVID. Uh, yeah. All the money for cleaning stuff and for the remote learning stuff, that was all done by COVID-19 relief funding from the federal government. So they're still rocking their emergency funds and their safety nets because they didn't even touch it. And then we still increase their spending for education. It, it boggles my mind. Yeah, um, the budget was tricky this year. It, it did grow. It did increase, um, which was unfortunate. Again, we were kind of going in trying to figure out um, how to respond to COVID. Uh, there were certain programs that we needed to fund on the state level um, that were impacted by COVID. We do have, I, I want to say, $1.6 billion of federal COVID funds coming into the state as well that we can work on. Um getting this into the communities, getting it, you know, um, just on programs that are going to help as we work to rebuild. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. I mean, what will that go towards? It will go towards more like, you know, helping out businesses again, helping out individuals, like a statewide, you know, a stimulus check. I mean, what could we look at? Yeah, some uh, of that money? I mean, one of the one of the uh, things that we tried to pass, um, unfortunately, it didn't become law, was we were going to take a portion of these COVID funds and and give it to businesses that were shut down during the shutdown mm. that were impacted during the shutdown and we were going to compensate them for for some of their loss we were going to we we had a whole board set up that was either going to approve or deny these claims by these businesses that were impacted by covid through no fault of their own unfortunately the government did not like that idea um it did not become law um we need to figure out i think with some of these funds a way to compensate these small and these are mainly small businesses mom and pop shops who, yeah uh, I, I think I saw a study a couple of months ago that one in three small businesses that were shut down during COVID will not come back. Wow. Um, and, and that's such a shame. And these aren't, again, these big box stores. These are small mom and pop shops um, that are the backbone of our economy. So we, yeah. as, as far as the COVID funds, though, we do have a committee set up. Um, House and Senate leadership have representatives on there. The governor has representatives on there. And they're coming up with a plan now to disperse those, those federal COVID funds. Uh, rest assured that we're not going to throw this money into growing government and expanding <laughs> programs. We're going to try to get this money out where it will make the most impact to working Kansas. It's really good because right now it seems like they're just throwing money out left and right. And we've talked with you know, the county commission here with Cedric County because they're getting $100 million. The city council is getting like $75 yeah. million. The school board's getting $75 million on top of what we increase with their budget as well. So it, it's wild to see. I think they spent too much in the COVID relief packages right. at the federal level, and now they're trying to figure out what to do with it. So they're just, here's a check, yeah. do whatever you will with it. And, and I, I, I completely agree on the, on the federal level. Too much spending, they're overheating the economy. Inflation's going to, it's going to harm us. It definitely is. Um, and my worry is now with the Delta variant, will there be another push for another stimulus on the federal level? We couldn't afford the last one. We yeah. did. I, there's no way we can afford another one. So it's going to be interesting. I had a conversation with a couple of federal people the other day and, and just kind of pleaded with them, please, no more spending on the federal level. I know the Democrats will try it with the Delta variant raging, but we definitely We don't. can't do it. No. no, we just can't do it. It's going to be insane. Here's the big question. We just saw the news that as of on Thursday, Governor Kelly did say that she's going to continue the unemployment benefits mm -hmm. for COVID-19 in the state, the three $400 extra a week for that one until the program ends on September 3rd. I've been making the case that the Democrats had made the vague description of we'll end those when things get back to normal or when things settle mm -hmm. down, whatever. 
Obviously, with inflation rates, with the labor shortage, with the wage fight that they're doing right now, things are not back to normal. Do you see it going even past September at the federal I, level, I, then extending here in Kansas? I think there's going to be a push on the federal level. I signed on, um, I, and I, I'm not sure if the whole Republican House did, I signed on to um, a letter urging the governor to pull us out of that program um, two months ago. It was a given she was going to keep going on yeah. with this. Um, and it's unfortunate. I do think there's going to be a push on the federal level um, from the squad, the AOCs, to to extend this or make it permanent. Know, yeah, make it permanent. I, and I I truly think that. I truly think this and the child care tax credit. I think these are um, these are test it's runs for, for universal basic basic yes, income. Exactly. I, I, I definitely think so. And I think there's going to be a push by by that progressive far left to continue extending these. And you know they may guilt trip or make. President Joe Biden look like a terrible guy because we need to get folks back to work. Yeah. And the, the, this extra $300 is not helping. I mean, we've all been impacted. You go to a anywhere and there's a labor shortage going on. Yep. We have to get folks back to work. It's not fair for our taxpaying citizens that are working to subsidize folks who are um, staying at home. And, and this is coming from somebody that wrote the unemployment extension bill. Uh, during the last shutdown to extend the unemployment benefits from 16 weeks to 26 weeks at the beginning of COVID. So I'm not somebody that, you know, I, I understand we have unemployment there for a reason. Right. But it's not to be taken advantage of. It's to be a stopgap between jobs for folks. Well, there's no need for it when we have 50,000 jobs yeah. available on CandiceWorks.com right now. Yeah. I mean, we've are, broken records with yeah, how many jobs are there. And, and these are good paying jobs. You know, I talked to some construction folks not too long ago who said they're hurting for folks. And these are good paying jobs that you can have a future. And they're hurting to get folks because you can make just as much sitting at home and, and playing PlayStation or doing whatever you're doing. <laughs> I would love to do that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I would love to. I mean, that would be great, but I'm only 20% away through my Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I got a ways to go there. And I need <laughs> some time to do it. There you go. <laughs> there it is. By the way, did you receive the child tax credit? Did you get that money? Yeah. Yeah. So we, I haven't gotten mine yet. Yeah. So we got, I, I, I want to say we got it last week. I have two kids, so we did get it last week. Um, It's interesting. Like I said, I think this may be a test run for UBI. Um, we we just invested it, you know. Well, I mean, it's yeah, it's crazy. So there's the, the the media ran with it the day that it came out about how many families. And here's the crazy part: being a child tax credit wasn't necessarily a tax credit. There were people that didn't qualify for getting the tax credit before because they didn't pay enough into the system. Yeah. That are now getting a thousand dollars a month with how many kids they have coming in. You try and tell that family now that at the end of the year it's going to go away and they're not going to get that anymore. Yeah. Yeah, After that being exactly part right. of their basic income, that's going to just say, well, we're going to make this a permanent thing, as you mentioned, yes. going into the universal basic income. Yeah. It's crazy. And and let's say, you know, God willing, we have a Republican president in, in four years, um, whoever it may be, and they decide, okay, this isn't working. We need to rescind this. Killing they're, children in the streets. They're going to be the most yeah. evil evil person in the world. Yeah. Um, so, and, and I definitely think, you know, a child care tax credit is a is a good thing. It is a good thing on the whole because it does help families. But when we're extending it, when we're doubling it, and when we're giving these monthly payments out, I definitely think it's a test run for UBI. Yeah, well, it's a good concept for the tax tax system we have right now. Yeah. Ideally, we could get rid of that and just lower taxes across the board, make it a fair tax or a flat tax, not have any loopholes, not have any deductions, not have any write-offs, and just make it a simple yeah. thing. Andy, I think you're on that medical marijuana. <laughs> okay. 
talking too you much. Have sense right hope, now. You have high hopes over there, buddy. Yeah, high hopes. That's right. We do have a phone call. Let's go to that. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. Line number one. Good morning. Who's this? Uh, this is Frederick. Frederick, how are you, sir? Oh, I am fine. And uh, I would just like to know that uh, uh, with all this, why can't, with all this money coming out, I mean, where is it coming from? Good <laughs> gosh, you know, it's like. Uh, you you want to know why the why we had a 4% inflation rate from year to year at the federal level, <laughs> the largest since 2016? That would be why, because we printed so much money over yeah. the last year. That's why we're seeing a near 5% inflation rate for everything. Yeah, Frederick, I, I could yeah. tell you on the, on the state level, the, this money is coming from your pocket and my pocket and Andy's pocket. On the federal level, it's coming from your kid's pocket, <laughs> my kid's pocket, and Andy's kid's pocket. That's, that's where that well, money's coming from. Yeah. You know, the only positive out of this is that I'm 76, and I'm on Social Security. My wife's on Social Security. So when the cost of living is adjusted for our Social Security checks, we're yeah. going to get a nice uh, nice benefit. Yeah, yeah, but, you're uh, going to you're gonna get a bump. But again, I mean, that's uh, that ultimately comes, uh, again, out of the federal yeah. government and more spending from there, and that's it's going to raise inflation more. We're on a long road, a long, tough road right now for a massive inflation rates and uh, things going up and being more expensive. It's kind of like a minimum wage argument. When we start paying more money out that way, prices of goods are going to continue to rise. Yeah, it, and I mean, I was grocery shopping the other day and the price of of meat and beef alone it's crazy it is i i don't remember ever paying for that and you're seeing <laughs> you're seeing gas prices now then we have and a percent sales tax rate in kansas too on yeah it. and and you're seeing you know uh gas rates now with joe biden's america I, I it's been a long time since i've paid well probably four years since the last democratic administration that i've paid these high gas prices so it's and it's impacting working Kansas families that are trying to feed their family. And I, it saddens me to think that how many Kansas families are not going to be able to even go on the summer vacation this year and travel yeah. because of the high gas prices. They can't afford it. You know, you know, I, I am paying a dollar more per gallon. Yeah. Yep. Than what we were before. Yeah, per, before gallon per gallon than I did last year. Oh, that's crazy. And that is one hell of a price increase. Yeah. yeah, and that's just and that's just in the first six months of Joe Biden's administration. <laughs> just imagine, imagine what this is going years. to look like in two years. <laughs> you, well, uh, let me tell you. Now I'm 76, and I have time sometimes remembering things. And in fact, I have a card in front of me right now to uh, mention some things that were not on that topic. But Joe Biden. Good God, that poor guy. He's right in the middle of a sentence, then <laughs> he goes off into left field. It's like. Well, come on. Guys, he's, what are you? T- what was, are you talking about? They asked him on a CNN town hall this last week about how you try and get into other communities to get them to trust the vaccine, and he's like, "Well, come on, you go to people that trust the UFOs too." And he starts going on about UFOs. Oh wow! I mean, that's 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 I, the level of our leadership right now at the I, federal level. I, I will say on the topic of UFOs, I. If it, we didn't have COVID, how big of a story would this Thank UFO? You. Thank I mean, you. I the government almost all but admitted a few months ago that they think UFOs they exist. Have like, how is that not a bigger story? I am right there with you, Frederick. I appreciate the call. We got to take a break here in a minute, but I am right there. So this last year, we've said this on the show, and I've I've said that exact same thing. If we didn't have COVID keeping people distracted. Over the last year, we've had the the Pentagon confirm sightings of UFOs and confirm the video. We've had them confirm that they have some in their possession that were quote unquote made uh, not made from this world that they actually confirm they have. 
Then we had Trump announce the Space Force that tried to mention these sorts of things. Then we had the report come out, and the report was a complete bomb because all it said was we have these hundred and some odd you know, different accounts, and we don't know. And yeah. therefore, that's all it was. It uh, Come on. They just literally just yeah. set up an investigative department about these things like last year when we've had sightings since the 1950s and have recordings of it. I don't believe it. Yeah, it, it's just, it, you know, I, I you just scroll through social media and you <laughs> see a story about UFOs and the government basically admitting they don't know. And it, it's not getting any traction like Drive me because nuts, of COVID. It's that's insane. a life changing, like societal changing thing. And we're just like, yeah, there's COVID right now. Yeah. Yeah. Drive me nuts. It is. Last question before we let you yes, go. Uh, but going into next year, we have redistricting yes, sir. that's going to be happening. And with, as we mentioned, with how well this legislative session went with the conservatives, are we concerned with some of the changes with more seats going up into the Kansas City area? Are we concerned about the makeup of the legislature? Are we going to take some steps back? Are we going to lose some solid conservatives? What could redistricting look like for the state legislature? Yeah, so I, I, I do have the privilege to serve on the House Redistricting Committee. And I think in the coming weeks, you'll see some some stuff on that uh, start to pick up as we get down into uh, town halls. We'll actually be touring the state of Kansas, uh, holding town halls, listening to input from communities and folks about redistricting. And yeah, I, I, I am fearful of what's going to happen to Western Kansas. Mm-hmm. Um, they've lost a lot of folks out there. Wichita, um, Johnson County, as you said, Sedgwick County will probably pick up some seats because we've gained a bunch of people. But the impact on representation to Western Kansas, it's going to be harmful. I, we have folks out there now that have 16 counties in their legislative district. Wow. You know, my district is just southwest Wichita. I can get to my district and, and drive through my district in five, 10 minutes. These folks, it takes them hours and hours and hours. Just to get to people, yeah. Just to get from one side of their district to the other. So the representation that could possibly be lacking in western Kansas is is alarming, yes. Well, that's concerning because we just got to a point where we're starting to do really well, and now we could be taking a step back with some of the people that we could be losing or gaining in the legislature, and then I could shake up the entire conservative agenda we're trying to do here for the long haul. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, it is is worrisome. we're going to have an open and transparent process. We're going to try to be as, as fair as possible. Um, hopefully, we you know we d- never want to draw folks out of their district. Yeah. Um, but there are also pe- folks that are retiring, and we can kind of kind of move their districts around a little bit. But it's a process. I, I would encourage your listeners to stay engaged yep. um, to this process. It is an interesting process. This is my first time through it. Um, but like I said. Western Kansas is going to take the brunt of, of this, unfortunately. Uh, that's going to be sad. It's going to be sad. State Representative Nick Heisel, dude, it's good to talk to you. It's been yeah, way too long. we got to do this buddy. again soon. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, always a good time. Uh, we'll get some more updates as we get closer to the next session as well and what's to come for 2022, if we can make it that long. Yeah. Fingers crossed, buddy. <laughs> if we can make it that long, who knows? Maybe we'll see in a whole other shutdown nationally and, and the zombie apocalypse will finally begin. <laughs> and I say finally because I'm kind of excited if it oh, actually does. It, that wouldn't be a big deal either. You just We're prepared, man. Yeah. Yeah. We live in rural Kansas. We got guns. We got food. We're good to go. Yep. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. All right. There it is. Nicole Heisel. Appreciate it, my friend. We'll take a break. Uh, lots more to get to. Open line two when we come back for the last bit of the show here on Kansas Talk on the Big Talker KQAM. <laughs> Past the hour. Welcome back into the program. Thanks again to State Representative Nicole Heisel coming on the program. You know it's a good conversation when it leads to the UFO discussion. (laughs) 
Whether you believe or not believe, I don't really care. I 100% believe, 110% believe that they're out there. And I think it's fast. I think it's a fun conversation to have, too. So when you can go from tax rates to UFOs, you know it's a, <laughs> you know it's a great conversation because that's just awesome. So thanks to Nick coming on the program. We'll get him on the show again here real soon. When we come back, we got to take a bottom of the hour break in just a minute. It's open line to you for the last half hour of the show. Anything you want to talk about, but there's a lot happening in Kansas right now. We have pediatricians nationally recommending quote universal masking in students going into the fall school semester we also have school districts here in kansas that are starting to implement that starting in kansas city the kansas city and overland park and johnson county that area they've already implemented that going into the school year this year as well because of the increase in the delta variant is it necessary do we need to do that and why are we doing that plus those that don't get the vaccine are we mentally unstable the local media is starting to put that little bug, put that little seed in, trying to say, yes, if you don't get the vaccine, then you're mentally unstable. We'll talk about that. Plus, we do have the audit going on here or try an attempt at for a voting audit here in the state of Kansas from the election of 2020 on uh, the results. And the judge ruling about provisional ballots here in the state and Kansas Secretary of State Scott Schwab. What's the latest going on there? We'll touch on all that and we'll cram that in for the next half hour, plus your phone calls as well. As we go through a Kansas talk here on a Saturday, Joe Pags live with the weekend. He's around the corner as well. So big stuff going on here on the KQM Airwaves. And I don't know if you've noticed or not, we do have your hourly Olympic updates going on from Tokyo because there's a lot of stuff going on there too. All that and more coming up here on Kansas Talk. Stay here. to Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Darn right you are. Last half hour of the program goes by way too fast, but we're here doing the thing the way we do every single day. So welcome into the program. We also have the live stream going on on Facebook.com slash 1480KQAM. You can watch the live stream there. Leave some comments if you'd like to, if you don't want to call in. But you can call in at 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK, all presented by Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue, buying, selling, and trading with honesty and integrity for all your gold and silver needs. Also online at Phil'sCoins.com. They are open until 2.30 this afternoon. It's closed on Sundays and Mondays. And you can go check them out for all your gold and silver. All right, so we have a lot to get to, and I want to get your thoughts on this. We have a few different things that I'm going to throw at you here. Number one, we have the extension of the unemployment benefits. Do you think that we're going to ever see them go away in the state of Kansas? Number two, we have mask mandates going into the fall school semester. Is it necessary? Is it needed? And is it healthy for our children as they push for According to Governor Kelly, pushing for vaccination of all children 12 years and older because that's what the CDC has approved for the vaccines to go to. Is that child abuse or is it necessary to vaccinate 12-year-olds up to 18-year-olds in the school system? Plus, we have the election audit. Do you trust the, elect, uh, the election process here in the state of Kansas compared to other states? Or is that a provisional issue with Secretary of State Scott Schwab? Is that an issue where he's hiding information on whose ballots they did not count? in the state of Kansas. So we have a lot to get to this half hour, and let's go right to the phone, shall we? Line at number one. Good morning. Who's this? This is Ray. Ray, how are you, sir? Pretty good, pretty good. good. Hey, on this election audit, about three or four years ago, there was a Democrat 
lady troublemaker that was trying to audit our elections to prove that we were being dirty. Mm. Uh, she went away. And uh, so we ended up, and now we're trying to check our elections again because now we know that they were playing dirty. Yeah. So I don't mind an audit. Uh, no problem at all. In fact, I think it would be healthy for us. You're for the on audit. Another to- okay. Yeah. On another topic, uh, this deal with the Cleveland Indians. Now, the, <laughs> Cle- the name Cleveland Indians, perfectly respectable. Named a, na- a major sports team after them, you know. For 106 years. Yeah. Nothing disrespectful going on, but a few troublemakers are running their mouth. And who do we always listen to? The biggest crybabies. Yep. Yeah, and, you're you're absolutely yeah, right. So, now they again. Now I grew up in Ohio. I was a Cleveland Indians fan. I wasn't a big baseball fan, but when I did, I followed the Indians because I was close to them. Uh, and Chief Wahoo yeah. was the mascot, and I I loved yeah. it. It was fantastic. But you're right. I I don't see the Native American community being the ones out there protesting, saying that it's offensive. It's the white people that have their white privilege that are are trying to apologize for their whatever. Uh, for their whiteness, I guess, saying that it's offensive to Native Americans. Unless the Native Americans like part of that little activist group yelling and screaming, the tribes as a whole are not coming out that I'm aware of that are saying, oh, there's no. a major issue. I'm totally offended that you call yourselves the Cleveland Indians. That's just it. It's, it's just like Antifa, which is mostly white people. <laughs> so, <laughs> But uh, to be the devil's advocate on these Indian names, then uh, let's carry it further. Let's get rid of the Ford Apache pickup truck yeah. uh we we need to uh wipe out any street names like uh, navajo cheyenne yeah it's crazy so any- in in the process of being quote-unquote um uh, woke and trying to get rid of the offensiveness at the same time you're eliminating culture at all of people being like well that's a strange name that opens up a conversation about culture and about the, the exactly. people and about everything you're eliminating literally the culture of people when you say Oh, just using the name or for a sporting event or, like you said, for a street name or for a, a car or a vehicle, just eliminating that is getting rid of culture. It's ridiculous. Exactly. Well, and on top of that, 20 years from now, after these clowns have managed to wipe any Indian references from our culture, 20 years from now, they're going to be saying, you know, we need to respect the Indian, and we need to bring them into the culture here and, and let them be part of America. Yeah, uh, That's how dumb these people are. Uh, I'm right there with you. That's like that's like saying that I'm offended because I'm Irish. I'm offended that Notre Dame has a fighting Irish <laughs> slogan because, you know, how exactly. dare you assume that we drink beer and brawl? How dare you think that? I know. That's a terrible thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right there with you, right? I appreciate that. That's a great call, my friend, and uh, I appreciate that. I, I am I am offended by the Notre Dame Fighting Irish because they got a slogan of a guy sitting there with his arms up ready to brawl. I am offended that you assume that as an Irishman I drink beer and brawl. How dare you think that? How dare that you actually assume that the Minnesota Vikings are a bunch of guys with horned helmets that go out and try and raid and take over and a bunch of brutes? How dare you think that? Actually, the whole horned helmet thing is actually uh, historically inaccurate, but it's still really cool. But how dare you assume that? We were poets. The Vikings were actual poets as well because they wrote poetry about their battles and their great raids and their great war that they did. But how dare you assume that, you bunch of jerks? I need you to change that. That's stupid. I never hear that side arguing about that. It's only us being offended by the 
quote unquote other side. And I'm sure that Cheetahs and the Jaguars and that uh, uh, Red Sox are offended as well. I'm telling you, telling you, you can't have anything, can't have nice things anymore because of the left. Thanks, guys. Let's go back to the phones here. Line number two. Good morning. Who's this? How healthy. <laughs> this is Chief Sean. Hey, and I, here's the thing. I can say those things about Chief Wahoo and the Cleveland Indians because I'm married to a Native American. So I, you can't be like, oh, white privilege guy just railing on the Native Americans. I absolutely 100% love Native American history and, and heritage and culture. I would totally live out in a teepee on a, on a tribe and on land somewhere if I could. And I'm married to one. So you can't say that I'm hateful against it. Well, I'll tell you something, my friend. <laughs> Besides being a little Irish, I'm also a little Cherokee Indian myself. Mm. So I can say whatever I want. I there you go. But, okay, as an Irishman, are you offended of the fighting Irish at Notre Dame? Come on. I mean, that they're assuming that we drink beer and brawl. Like, how dare they? Not only do I not care, I don't even watch the their team. <laughs> I mean, what the hell? I'm not into college sports. <laughs> yeah. So It's a crazy but, world. Uh, I noticed besides the, yeah, I heard about that with the Cleveland Indians. And, you know, it's just, I could have got upset about it, but they did the same. Washington Redskins drop their um, their name. And, you know, uh, North High School Redskins is no longer North High Redskins. Well, I mean, you know, it's just not going to end. In fact, in fact, I saw a commercial on TV the other day and for uh, what used to be known as Uncle Ben's Rice. And now it's just Ben's Rice. Of course, I couldn't believe the gall of that company to put a black man in the commercial. I thought, were well, mm. they trying to be funny or something? <laughs> Wait, who is this but, again? Uh, what company? The company that made the, that, that, that made uh, Uncle Ben's Rise. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that one. Yeah, that was the same thing with, like, the uh, uh, the syrup gal as well. I mean, they got rid of all that stuff. I mean, how, how dare they? How dare they actually use uh, a culture of an individual who was successful and actually put their face on there? What a terrible thing to do. Well, like I said, not only that, they had a black man in the commercial too, and I thought the gall of these people. But I mean, but, that's uh, the, that's I mean, the left; they're, they're offended Irish. by it all. But if they think of just simply getting rid of someone's uh, image off their package, the image of a black man is going to uh, is going to uh, uh, keep them safe from the uh, from the liberal radical lefties. No, because the next thing that's going to happen is you got to get you got to get rid of Ben's rice. That's what it's called now, just simply Ben's rice. You got to get rid of Ben's rice because it's white rice. And because it's white rice, it's privileged rice and it's racist rice. Yeah, yeah, it's right? all bad. It's all bad. And you can't hail someone of minority descent that actually did something successful, started a business, actually did stuff. You can't parade them by actually having you know them in commercials or putting their face on there. We need to get rid of that black culture that actually started stuff, right? Because that's the unracist thing to do. <laughs> Well, then I guess the uh, uh, unracist thing to do would be get rid of Black History Month because, you know, in the, in the annals of American history, and I, I saw a list of this in the Wichita Eagle back in, I believe, uh, it was a copy of the Wichita Eagle back in, um, I think it was uh, February of 1990 or 91. I mean, they had two whole pages in that paper, and and the size of that paper was bigger than it is today. Okay, the overall size of the the pages, and uh, uh, they had two pages full of nothing but black Americans who invented stuff that we use today, from ketchup to some uh, black woman who invented, I think it was either the washing machine or the dryer, the black man, who, black American, I mean, who invented the 
traffic light, which ain't changed really at all since he invented it. Uh, yeah. Just a whole bunch of stuff. Well, <clears throat> so if you had a black man that invented a, 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 a type of a rice, or white rice or whatever, uh, and he happened to be black, he started a business and it's called Uncle, and called it Uncle Ben's Rice, and now you got to get rid of him because he's because uh, his, his his image is on the package and that's racist. But I guess you got to get rid of Black History Month too because then that's racist. Well, they right? don't, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. It's a it's a it's a uh, mess they're, because they're offended by everything. They literally wake up in the morning and say, "Gee." It's a horrible day. What can I be offended about today? Because I just don't feel well and the world sucks. So I'm just going to find something to be offended by. Uh, we got to take a break in a minute, but I do have to ask you the audit on the election. Do we need one right now? And do you think that Scott Schwab is trying to hide information by removing that report on provisional ballots and what was counted and what was not counted? Well, we, we had a problem here in Kansas. I, I, if we need the audit. I'm all for it. Well, we don't know if we we don't know if we need the audit. I mean, here's here's my thoughts on this. We have we hand out more provisional ballots than any other Mid America region state, including Missouri, uh, which hands out a lot. But what we do, if there's any in any way, shape, or form any concern about whether you are going to the wrong precinct, whether you registered or didn't register, whether you're allowed to vote or not allowed to vote, if there's any concern, we hand you a provisional ballot. Then we go through at the end of the day. And we validate it and we cross-check it. And we see, okay, you know what? We can count this one. We don't count this one. Now, the judge, a judge in the state of Kansas, has said, well, Scott Schwab, Secretary of State, has removed the report off of the election results on what provisional ballots were not counted. And some are filing saying that that's a violation of the Open Records Act because we want to see what ballots were not counted in that report. He says that it's already available in public records, so therefore... I don't need that report to kind of duplicate things because it's already open records. But there's a push right now for a for a petition to try and do an audit in the state of Kansas, and I I don't know whether we need it or not. Oh, I see your point. I mean, it sounds complicated. I you know I'm not opposed to audits. I think we need. I don't care who calls for one if the election's in question. But uh, even after what you said, I'm still having a hard time understanding. There must have been a problem, okay, so a, a judge is involved, and, and, and so who's calling for an audit, the judge? Uh, no, the, the, there is a, a, a an election activist group, let's just put it that way. There's an election activist group trying to get petitions assigned to create an audit because they think that the numbers are not accurate. And again, I, I mean, we obviously need to fine-tune our election system. I like the idea of what we tried to pass this year in the legislature of limiting the amount of ballots that you can take to the uh, to the voting or to the uh, to the mailbox for people and the ballot harvesting issue uh, and some of those to fine tune our system. But I think we have a pretty good system, honestly, in our in our uh, electoral system here in Kansas. And I, well, I thought- I'm sure we have some flaws here and there to fine tune. But overall, uh, personally, I think our elections in Kansas compared to other states are phenomenal. Well, I think uh, I've always thought we've had a great system here, better than other states, and you know, no hardly any controversy. So I tell you what, if if this is just a group of people, it's, it's a small group, I, I assume, right? As far as I'm a small aware, group of, a small group of people who have doubt in their minds uh, about the uh, uh, results of some election, and uh, uh, but they don't have any. Any any proof? It's just a feeling or whatever. There's no signs of it. 
you know, I mean, there's clearly a reason for audits going on in Arizona and other states yeah. like Georgia. Yeah, when you're missing 79,000 ballots and you don't know where they came from, that's an issue we need to address. Yeah, but if you if it's if you got just a small incident here in Kansas, where somebody just says, "Hey, you know, I, I think there was some cheating going on. Let's have an audit." Well, audits uh, uh, take time and time money. Yeah. Audits cost money. So, okay, if we if there if, if there's clear evidence of uh, some shenanigans going on, like we were missing a bunch of ballots or something, then yeah, I'd say do an audit. Yeah. But, but if it's just a, you know, if it's just a little discrepancy, you know, something that's barely a blip on the radar. Now, I, I, I agree with you. I don't think we we need to waste uh, taxpayer money on an on an audit the entire state just because of a couple of uh, missing ballots or something. Yeah, uh, well, I tell you what we're going to do. I mean, we're good friends with them. We're going to get him on the program, but we'll get Secretary of State Scott Schwab to come on and talk about it because the issue is was that he removed the provisional ballot report off of the election results stuff and all the documents that he submits and everything, and they're saying that violates open record acts that could change transparency with the government and change to where we can't see what ballots were counted and not counted according to him and his office, is that that information is already available with the open records on the website or somewhere else. And then the judge ruled on him earlier a few years ago that he didn't need to do that. So we'll get him on the program. We'll clarify this stuff. If we need an audit, then I want to see some valid information on why we need one and what kind of shenanigans is going on. But if it's just because we're duplicating things and a report's not where they wanted it to be in prior cases before, then I don't see that as enough evidence to really need to do an audit and really drag up all these court issues. Sounds good. You get him on, I'll bring the beer and pretzel. Hey, there, there we go. But we can't bring too much beer because then we're just stereotyping our Irish heritage and we'll just end up going into a brawl. <laughs> so there it is. Sean, I appreciate the call, my friend. I, and, uh, stupid woke crowd. Drives me nuts. All right, 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. Yes, we'll get Secretary of State Scott Schwab on the program. We'll address this issue. We'll talk about it, get his thoughts on it. Because right now they're saying he's breaking the Open Records Act and he's changing transparency from the government with this provisional ballots. Again, remember, provisional ballots in Kansas, we hand out more of them than any other mid-America state. And then we, if there's any in the slightest inkling issue, of them voting or not allowed to vote in any way, shape, or form. We had them sign a provisional ballot, and then we check it on the back end and cross-examine to make sure it's good, and we either toss it out or we count it. So hopefully don't be in that provisional ballot state because you already have your ducks in a row to go and vote. But if you do, we have that opportunity. But who's being counted, who's not being counted, would it alter local elections? We're not talking about the presidential because obviously Trump won in a large margin here. Uh, and I don't think that would change anything there. But w it, would it be state legislative seats? Would it be city council? Would it be county commission seats that are sometimes decided within one or two votes? Is that the kind of stuff we're dealing with here? And what kind of impact would that have on local elections if that's not being counted correctly or if we don't have that transparency to see the entire election result, including provisional ballots that were not counted? Or do we have access to that? I don't know. We'll get on Secretary of State Scott Schwab here in the next few weeks and we'll see what he has to say about that issue. Got to take a break. Wrap up the show today. Open lines to you for the last few minutes when we come back here on Kansas Talk here on the Big Talker KQAM. Welcome back into the program. Just a couple minutes left here on the show. It's been a wild one. 
been a fun one. Next week, we have some great guests lined up for you as well. You're not going to miss it every single Saturday here on Candace Talk 9 to 11 here on KQAM. We do the local stuff for the month of August. Just to give you a little teaser and a heads up, we got one more week of July into August. We have four of the candidates running for school board. Now, I don't know if you're aware or not, there is a primary election on August 3rd here in Sedgwick County and around the state. Yes, I know it's smaller elections, but it's extremely important. Now, you may not be aware. You may not be aware, but there's a lot of elections going on, and it's the school board, it's the county commission, it's the city council. There's a lot of stuff that's going to be happening. I don't know about county commission, actually, for Sedgwick County, but there's elections coming up the month of August. Every single Saturday for the month of August, we're going to have school board members, uh, candidates, coming on the show to talk about running for USD 259 here in the Wichita area. Now, there are a lot of them. Uh, however, there were not enough to do a primary, so they are not in the primary election for August 3rd. But gearing up for the general election in November, we're going to have some uh, student uh, or some school board candidates coming on the show to talk about their platform as well on August 3rd. We'll talk about this next week and focus some time on it. But we do have local elections with our city council. There are three different districts within our city council that are up for election. And the primary is coming up in August for uh, three of those districts. And we'll talk about some of that next week as well. So be prepared. Start doing some research to understand what's going on. But we have an election for the 1st District, for the 3rd District, and for the 6th District of the City of Wichita. We also have a mayor's race for Bel Air and an at-large city council seat for Bel Air, all within Sedgwick County and then other surrounding communities as well with their local elections. So next week, we'll focus some time on those and make sure to get ready. Be aware of what the candidates are doing. As we start rolling through candidates going into the general election of 2021 for the smaller elections, not the big midterm that's next year that we're already getting geared up for. So election season is here. Let's get ready. And if we are going to do an audit, let's make sure that things are going to be running smoothly as well. So we'll get to all that next week. That does it for us today. Podcast going up in just a little bit. Back at it on Monday for The Voice of Reason for our national broadcast of The Voice of Reason. Don't miss that one. And then, of course, Candace Talk next week. Joe Pags live with the weekend right around the corner here on KQM after the top of the hour news. Also enjoy the continued coverage of the Olympics every hour here on KQM and our sports station over on KGSO. Until then, everybody have a great weekend. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.